Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, I'm sure the audio desync is going to happen at some point, and I apologize for it now, but you can also leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. Uh, our topic today is gaming with family, but before we get to that, who are you for the fine folks who may, who may not know? I'm Mitra Jordan. I'm a therapist uh, who works in Victoria, British Columbia, and I work a lot with families, and I actually talk a lot about games. Um, I work with couples. I adore games of all kinds, video, tabletop, all the rest, and I grew up playing games, and I certainly play games with my family. Hello, my name is Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B. Something I broke, a, Dr. B. I am B. a doctor of clinical psychology, and I am... We need to fix him! No, I, I, I need three shots of espresso stat! In the veins! In the veins! No, I am punchy after a very long... Uh, I, I was not directly at PAX West um, most of the weekend just due to, you know, safety concerns and all of that. But I was definitely in the periphery and doing some selective networking. And I am exhausted, gang. But I am Dr. B, uh, Rafael Bocamazzo, a non-practicing doctor of clinical psychology and the clinical director at Take This, which was the very first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. And I'm also an expert on the applied use of role-playing games, just games in general, in clinical and learning settings. And I am also so excited, so excited for Fenris the Dire yeah. Puppy. Oh my god, yeah. I, Fenris as soon is as so I cute. saw that on the 1st of September, I was like, take my money. <laughs> Uh, for people who may not know uh, what, what we're talking about, uh, there is a new familiar available in the uh, uh, store in Idle Champions for Fenris, the uh, dire wolf pup, who is the bestest pup ever. Bestest. Uh, and uh, for from now until September 19th, all proceeds go to take this. So uh, you get a really cute and adorable familiar who will help you through your adventures and help out an awesome group of people who are doing fantastic things. Yeah, absolutely. And who doesn't need a dire wolf pup? Come on. Right? I, I want a dire puppy. Yeah. <laughs> right? The more dire, the better. The more puppy-esque. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My need for dire puppy is, in fact, dire. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> Get ready for the pun game, people. Oh, no. Dr. B's punchy. <laughs> oh, Dr. B's Causing punchy. pandemonium. <laughs> You're a pundit, all right. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, so, yeah, gaming with family. Where do we want to start on this? Mm. Step one, family. <laughs> Have a family first. Have a you family. Yes. And, that is and fair. This, this is not super hard because everybody was born into a family. Now, whether you want to play games with your family or whether you grew up playing games is a whole other question. But, uh, but there are certainly benefits to playing games with your family. Um, do we want to start with that? What are the benefits well, I mean, to playing games the, with your family of origin? Well, not necessarily even your family of origin. I think we should probably, I mean, all jokes aside, um, talk about the broad use of the word family as yeah. we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about it. While sure, this can mean somebody's biological family of origin, um, family, it, we're, we're going to use this in the broader sense of those 
for whom you consider uh, to have a, to with whom you consider yourself having a filial familial bond. So that can be chosen mm-hmm. family, that can be adopted family, that can be um, whom that can be your family of origin, whomever. We're going to use that word very broadly. As yep. the child of four uh, lesbians, uh, two step siblings, and. Th- 13 half siblings yeah it's uh it's an interesting way to uh uh family is broad (laughs) i fully agree having been raised by various extended family members at various points in my life family is very broad Mm -hmm. so yeah we just probably should get that out of the way that we're going to be use fam we're going to be using the word family extremely broadly not just Mm -hmm. necessarily uh those who you are linked to genetically yes family is more than genes Mm mm-hmm um so yeah the the we we the, that's a good i think great definition start of it um what do we mean by gaming with your family we're t- talking the video games we go into the, the, the we're going laser tag like what yes. are we doing <laughs> yes i want to say all of it i think yes. all of it because anything that allows us to enter an arena of play with rules with which equalize the relationships between each participants as best we can is going to be fun and useful to the relationships mm-hmm. and fun. Did I mention it's going to be a good time? That's hopefully. the point hopefully of it. Hopefully. That's a good time. And we're going to talk a little bit about what to do if there's Depends conflict. on who's on my team or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last person picked won't be happy. No. God, that's that takes me right back to well, to high school to not even high school to well, grade to elementary school, and, school and i mean oh, the, God, there are so many social fit? implications yeah. involved mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. how we play games that mm-hmm. the methodology uh, the methods we choose to play the games and how we carry that out has repercussions i bet so many people in the chat i'm certainly one of them as soon as you mentioned the idea of being last for whatever just kind of went oh <laughs> yup I sports so hard, but so poorly. I, There's the famous know. hockey dick, stick. Oh, God. There's the famous <laughs> hockey stick incident. We're moving past that. Moving past it. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. In stream. <laughs> Apologies. Um, yeah, which the hockey stick ended up lying under the bed and getting much, much dust on it. On it. And my grandfather was like, why did I buy you this thing? And I was super enthusiastic and like, but such a poor player. Anyway. A-D-H-D. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of the things that we've talked about now on a lot, I mean, for those of you who, for those of you who have been watching this show since its inception, um, some of the things we're going to say are not going to be necessarily new information for you because this is something that Mitra and Trevor and I have talked about a lot. And that's one of them being that the idea of play in so many cultures is a developmentally appropriate step. I'm ha- I'm actually having a hard time thinking of any, I, I, I'm trying to think of an exception to that, of any culture in which play is not, of some variety, is not present, and mm-hmm. I can't. No, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. And it may take different shapes, might take different forms, it might have different dynamics, but the idea of imagination and play is there in every instance that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And so play is a necessary part for so many people of the developmental process of using your imagination of rehearsing social scripts of practicing and solidifying certain rules and rules and frameworks etc and so a lot of what we're going to talk about today is within that context yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. uh so let's see um where, where, where was it? We just did these notes, so forgive me. I, I don't have these quite as memorized. Did you mention ADHD a minute ago? I forget. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's always there. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, it actually would help if I was on the right page, too. I'm just like, self-care? When do we have self-care about family? No, go further down, for all the way to the all bottom. The yeah, yeah, the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. There it is. There it is. Um, so we, you talked about like that, the fact that, like, uh, forms of play are pretty much everywhere with it. And that's kind of developmental. Um, so what ways can these games be used with, uh, you know, with gaming with your family to help development? So there's a great deal that games can teach you 
um, in terms of how to work in a group, right? So how to be um, in a group with others. Uh, the rules can help you set good boundaries and parental modeling of both being a gracious winner and a good loser is pretty crucial to kids. What if we never learned that? Yeah. So if we never learned that, we're probably <laughs> going to have to work some of that out. But if we're working it out in a safe way and within a family system where there's a lot of support when we get kind of dysregulated about it, um, that's super helpful, too. Mm-hmm. You yeah, want to, but... Do you want to do you want an example? Yeah, be on my team. <laughs> It's a safer bet. <laughs> as we, as Dr. Cohort, when she was in for you, uh, substituting, revealed to the world, I am a monster in Mario Party. Uh-huh. But did you win? Of course I won. <laughs> this wasn't even what in question. Sort of silly it's question. what was said along the way. Was there a lot of uh, trash talk of your opponents? Yeah. Yeah, no, it got generational. It, it was got awful. generational. It, I was, I, words were said, but it's, but you know, Mitra brings up the idea of of the uh, of games being a, a learning framework, and it, depending on what game you're looking at, there's different. Uh, the technical term is task demands, and so when you take a complex activity and there's individual aspects of it, so like a strategy game might involve switching mental tasks. Or it might involve uh, sequencing, or it might involve something like that. And different games, of course, have different task demands. And when you are playing these games, you are covertly, or in some cases overtly, learning these things. Um, Mm -hmm. Playing, you know, kids in America will often, you know, play house. And so they're essentially cooperating with each other, negotiating learning different social boundaries and they're also using their imagination to rehearse social roles and tabletop and video games are no different they just have different task demands Mm -hmm. absolutely and different levels of competition depending on the type of game that it is so what you want to consider is um, the task demands be appropriate for the age of the players or the ages of the players Uh, Because Mm -hmm. otherwise, and this is something that is important to think about, is like if something is too difficult for a player, it can be demoralizing. And if it's too, too easy, then it can be understimulating and therefore boring for that player, who if that player is your snarky older brother, can then start to make trouble in the group for the younger you, ones. So you wanna that? you wanna think about engagement. <laughs> you you just awoken a, a deep memory of mine from when I was like four where my cousins were like, We're gonna play a computer game. Let's play Jeopardy Aww. and Trevor's gonna play and he's four and he doesn't know anything. <laughs> That is actually a really good example of picking a developmentally inappropriate game because I'm willing to guess. Now, there are, of course, some four-year-olds who can read fairly well, but that is an exception rather than the rule. Most four-year-olds I know, uh, having at one point also been there myself, I, I, I was not reading particularly fluently and could not understand the idea of answering the question with a question oh, because yeah. Jeopardy reverses the dynamics. That is a that's a that would be a game that involves a lot of metacognitive skills that most four year olds would not have. That's just mean. It is not to mention <laughs> to the time fair, pressure. I did make a game. I did make a game out of getting the lowest score. Fair <laughs> enough. I was like, nice. hey, that number's going up in uh, in a different way. I'm okay with it. Yeah. What's the answer, fair Trevor? Moo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that that is that that is um, a thing that older siblings sometimes like to do to remind themselves of how far they've come, but at the expense of a younger sibling. So you want to actually find a way for them to do that that is not at the expense of a sibling, because it can be okay to be really good at something as long as it doesn't involve you feeling better about yourself by putting another person down. We call that the one-up, one-down game. At least I call it that. And um, and it's a- I and call it a Tuesday. 
<laughs> I'm the older sibling. <laughs> I'm the middle. <laughs> Fair enough in this dynamic. I call it super snarky. <laughs> so, but I, yeah. I sure watched my kids do that at points. So it's like, okay, how do we engage this person? Or do we get two people in a team where one is then feeling good because they're helping the other person, but are they helping or are they actually helping is a whole other thing. And you have to know your kids, right? Or your mm. nephews or nibblings or whoever you're, you're supporting in gameplay. So. Oh my! You know, actually, I, I I will bring a story up with that. Um, I was fortunate enough to be the one to introduce um, my my niece and my nibbling to uh, tabletop RPGs several years ago, and I I'm going to shamelessly promote certain certain games as we talk about this. And I love love no thank you evil. Because No Thank You Evil, as an introductory tabletop role-playing game, does an amazing job of adjusting the dynamics of gameplay for various cognitive age levels. And that, so you use certain parts of the character sheet if you're within a certain cognitive, they guess about the right developmental age. And so my four-year-old niece and my six-year-old nibbling were able to play in the same game and knowing the two of them like i did of course the younger the younger one wanted to be a pirate ninja princess and the older one was role-playing it very very straight-laced and but we were able to do that and um it was just really it was really cool to see Mm -hmm the two of them playing within the same framework. It was just revelatory about, and they still are that way at this age, at the, several years later. That's so my younger one is a terror, even and though, I adore her. Even though my nephews are older, like I'm I'm going to look into that game, because we were talking about it before the show, and it sounds fantastic. Uh, the, the, the one that I played with my nephews was, uh, was Hero Kids, um, because I was like, I'm going to get these kids into super nerdy stuff at a young age. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I played this game with them... I think when they were like five and six, because they're only about a year apart, and it's like you were saying with with, uh, with what one of them wanting to be like a ninja space pirate thing, uh, I I asked my nephew, I was like, okay, what you can name your character? What do you want your name to be? And he thinks for a second, he goes, Thunder Lightning Tornado. <laughs> And I, I was mean, like, that's awesome. We're going to call you Tilt for short. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's time no, like, for the TLT. Yeah. <laughs> and no, like, like uh, that is, like, besides getting them into role-playing games at a young age, like, I, I mean, literally every time I see these kids now, they're like, can we play D&D? Um, but like getting to have that connection with them and uh, getting and giving them problems to solve at that young age that um, and, and getting to see them kind of have that realization of like, oh, wait, that led to something bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Somebody yeah. asked a game in chat about cooperation, competition, what kind of balance in terms of, of gameplay um, with family. So. I would start with cooperation because you're still competing with um, you're still competing with the game. Just as mm-hmm. if you are running a one shot or you know some kind of D and D thing with a family or with your your family group, um, it's great if you know there can be no PvP within the player group and you're still competing, as it were, against Mm -hmm. the monsters and whatever comes up in gameplay. Um, And so that gives you a chance to see how people handle competition, how they feel about competition, how confident they feel. And then they're still working on being a good player because this is intrinsically something we all do. When we sit down to a game, we want to think about how well we're doing, how well we're doing at the table. We're still comparing ourselves to other players who may or may not have the same skill level as us. So throwing in competition against each other at that point, when you're not sure how your players operate, is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Once you get to a stage where your players are confident and willing and interested in competing, um, then competing is great because it teaches you how to be a good loser and how to be a gracious winner. And those are really important skills to learn in life. But you want to do it in a way where everybody's still feeling supported, 
Um, and you want to also, at the outset, talk about the game that you're playing and say, okay, this is going to involve me moving this counter here, but then if I land on your counter, it get knocks out and it starts at the beginning of the game again. And, you know, that's how we play. And so just so mm-hmm. you understand, that's not me being mean, you know. So having conversations about not taking things personally in games is also really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I did yeah. not learn that lesson in kindergarten when that teacher put sorry on the board, man. Yeah, that was, right? That oh, is such a Darwinianism <laughs> yeah. in action. That is, that is who is winning and who is not. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. no, it, but on that note, if you think about it, uh, to, to use, to to borrow a term from video games, PvP games, um, especially if they rev- if they involve something a little bit more treacherous, like Munchkin. Munchkin's mm. hilarious. I love Munchkin. Um, games like Munchkin, where there's negotiation and then backstabbing, require a level of social cognition and a shared agree, basically a different kind of social contract. Yeah. Than, than games that are more PVE, uh, that are more collaborative, that are more cooperative. Game, uh, tabletop games like Hanabi, where you have to work together to build something. Or mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite video games in that respect is Death Squared where mm. it's you have to collaborate and communicate in order to avoid hilarious traps that are in these puzzle levels and you have to move in tandem with each other. Um, mm-hmm. It can be frustrating, but that's a very different social contract than something like Munchkin or Mario Party or <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, so one of, one of the other points that you have on here is, is the frameworks and specifically talking about, uh, anxiety and like, you're just saying social contracts, but in terms of neurodivergent people, um, uh, it, it, like, it is kind of interesting to think back and realize that I did appreciate rules in board gaming when I was younger, because it did have that set thing of what was going on. It, there was less... Um, worrying about how people would be because I knew the rules of the game. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay. Oh, wanna... Well, yeah. I mean, this is this is for for me, and I know I'm not alone being autistic uh, with something like this. Uh, I love going to conventions when I'm working at conventions because I have a role, I have a reason, I have parameters, I have a framework. Mm-hmm. I love going to parties when I have something to do. This is why, as a, as an autistic person, one of the tips I often give other folks who are neurodivergent is: if you go to a party, offer to help out in a kitchen. Yep, because Absolutely. one, it gives you something to yep. do. Two, it filters in the people who are going to talk to you. Three, the host will love you. Yep, um, and it 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 allows you to have a task based role, and that for a lot of folks I know on the spectrum are actually that's much more helpful for us to have an overt framework in which to behave and games offer exactly that an overt framework in which we are socializing um mm-hmm. and I, we I've spoken about this before for me that actually allowed me to especially when I took up role playing games in my late teens essentially rehearse and fail and learn various social skills and social roles in a trusting environment where that was relatively consequence free if I was awkward. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I would say that to people who are newer to a culture as well, because as someone who is neurodivergent, but with ADHD, um, and also came to Canada to settle into this country when I was 16, um, it's a really awkward time to be moved, by the way. So parents thinking of emigrating. Maybe not with the 16-year-old, if you can help it. (laughs) Um, And it's awkward because you have an established friend group usually by then, and then you have to leave it. And then even though I was very fortunate to do immigration on, you know, the easy level in that um, I'm a native English speaker. It was my first language. But, um, But still, when you're adjusting to a whole different place, you don't always know the rules. Having games to play, having a set of rules, and maybe even discovering games with friends can really help. But that piece, I often did help out in the kitchen, and, and I will often share that with clients as well as a really good, useful thing to do. 
mm-hmm. it does help relax you and bring the energy down and it, it gives you a task so yeah games that allow you to work out a they have um parameters and rules and they and there's something for you to discuss at the table as well while you're playing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't have to really search for a topic or worry about dead air, which is often a concern for people when they don't know others very well. What do I talk yeah. about? How do I deal with small talk? You know, I hear it all the time. I hate small talk. I get it. Oh, God. Absolutely. So, hey, Mitra. <clears throat> so, um, uh, you, do, you, do, you, do you like stuff? <laughs> so much stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I, do you, you I, like stuff I, too, right? I like stuff. Yeah, stuff's good. We, we should hang yeah. out. We totally. <laughs> the green stuff is even better. Oh God, uh, no! <laughs> Have you ever tried working with green stuff? It's so tricky. Oh, it's true. It's like slimy and also hard to cut. Well, mm-hmm. it's well then you get it's just dry anyway. Yeah, I never tried uh, working with green stuff. <laughs> uh, that's an actual thing. Oh, by, by, for those of you who might for, might be perplexed, that is an actual thing in tabletop yeah. wargaming. Okay, green stuff is green a modeling stuff. agent. Yep. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, I was busy thinking uh, about romaine lettuce. Actually, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lot harder to make a warhammer mini out of. Oh uh, god! Now so I accept hard. your challenge. Uh, I will it. be carving Have romaine lettuce army. later. Let us remain friends. <laughs> Let us be friends. Here oh, we go. God. <laughs> um, so the, I guess the the anxiety thing kind of falls into that with like having the the shared rules and everything like that. Well, um, actually, one of the ways that um I got to know uh part of my wife's family so well is that we would go over and play a board game. Like when we weren't playing a board game, it was like we were kind of struggling to find like a topic or things like that. But as soon as the board game came out, everyone was so invested in it. And and th- this this is a the, I will not say that this is a norm that literally the entire family, it didn't matter what game got put out was instantly into it. <laughs> like I think the first time we played a game, oh, God, it was something really lighthearted and whatnot. And then the next time we came over, we're like, hey, we brought letters from Whitechapel about Jack the Ripper. Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, let's freaking go. This sounds awesome. And we had a blast. Um... So yeah, it, it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely an exception to that one because I do not recommend <laughs> bringing over games like that in the second. Half. You were taking a risk on that. Definitely. Yeah. But uh, but it was good. It was it was fun times. That is a very good point, though. Um, when you're bringing a new game, um, you got to know your audience. Yeah. You got to think about what they like. Um, and bringing multiple games is really great, actually, because yes. then you have something to choose from. Um, and the nice thing for the person bringing the games is, um, unless it's an unopened box, ooh, so exciting, you know, often it's a game that you've played and know quite well yourself. So that makes it a lot easier. If you feel comfortable mm-hmm. explaining to others, um, oh, that's God, yes. great. You know, you you gotta you gotta be willing to be patient and and I, I will make a suggestion on this though. Um, if if you because here's the thing, like um, I'm actually gonna bring up a question. You know, I know I, I know I normally don't do this in the middle of the show, but um, let's see. Um, where was oh uh, this is from Phoenix Fire. Uh, how do how do you get a casual gaming family members hooked uh, when a lot of games now have complex gameplay? So first off. You just got to feel that out and be on like, honestly ask them and like, Hey, is this a type of board game complexity that you are okay with? And it might not be, uh, there's plenty of people in my family who just don't like, uh, the, like I, I have like eldritch horror and stuff like that, that are like extremely complicated mechanics, heavy games. And I know they're not going to be into it, but if they are one of the best suggestions I can give you find a rules video and send it to them before you meet yeah. up. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It is so like the, some of the best times I've had in gaming is when my friends group are like, we're going to play this game. We're going to play it on Thursday night. Here's a link to the rules. Everybody re and we get there and we just start playing and everyone knows what they're doing. It's fantastic. It doesn't always happen, but oh God, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest you also have games of different skill levels. And yes. as, Reaver, as Reaver saw, I grabbed a prop. I, oh, yep. And I would like to read the extremely complex rules <laughs> to the game. We didn't play test this at all. Oh, geez. The objective <laughs> of this game is to win. If you lose, you have not won and are in fact out of the game. If everyone has, except you has lost, you win. <laughs> that's it that's second just... side <laughs> on your turn draw one card from the deck and then play one card from your hand just follow the instructions on the card after you're done play passes to the player on your left it sounds so easy it, but it sounds it, so easy the reason i love i love games like this is it's is it is ostensibly it's it's even easier to teach than flux because it's ridiculously like you win when if you uh, let's see you win if it's currently raining outside i actually <laughs> take that one out in seattle it's a good call Definitely. but it's but there are games that are really fun that are also really simple it doesn't all have to be um you know yeah. gloomhaven i oh i agree <laughs> i agree um yeah we we actually uh, you know I, I enjoyed gloomhaven but we kind of had a bit of a wade at first, um, because it, it, there are games that you might not, you might actually like, but the other thing to consider besides your player's sort of interest or willingness to engage in really complex games is their capacity to engage in games that day. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, like uh, if like, let's say that one of the family members like did a bunch of cooking and whatnot and, uh, you know, they made a huge freaking meal. Then you're like, afterwards, we're going to play Gloomhaven. It's like, oh, no, nah. I, I, I love board games. If I was cooking for uh, a long while. No. Yeah. We, no. We actually, <laughs> I'd be in the next room with a glass of wine real hard. <laughs> we, we have a rule about that on D&D &D night with my group. Um, I don't cook. We order out. Mm. It's mm, just yeah. unless there's like really excellent leftovers, like a massive pot of chili or something really simple, because it's just too much. I It's really hard to do all that for a larger group and then sit down and kind of have any energy yep. left to engage. So yep. you have to really think about, yeah, where are people at? What's their energy level? Um, do we play something familiar and comforting that we all like? Is there a really simple new game we could play? You know, or are we mm -hmm. just gonna are we just gonna maybe sit down and do something on a console in multiplayer together? You know, that yeah. that might work too. Sometimes well, people like to watch that stuff as well, you know, instead of playing, but just engage in the space that everyone is sharing. So Well, and you brought up a, in our pre production meeting, Mitra, you brought up a really good point that I wanna make sure to, that you get to speak to, and that's the idea of how to essentially bring along people who either may not be ready for this game developmentally, cognitively, or they're just, or they're just, I, I don't know, they're just not having the energy uh, or concentration that day. You talked about a buddy system. I did, yeah. So say you have, um, you can always say you have um, someone who isn't reading yet, you know, um, or you've got someone who's feeling a little bit tired but still wants to engage, um, you can do a game in teams. You know, mm -hmm. we found Carcassonne really lends itself to this rather well. Catan can as well. Um, so, or, or even a video game where, you know, one person plays and the other person sort of directs a bit or cheers on, you know. So there's lots of ways of engaging where you don't have to be 100% present or if you're little, having your buddy quietly whisper the cards instructions to you and then you both decide what to do can be a really fun way um, to, to stay connected and engaged with the game, but with less pressure. And also, I mean, that may, I mean, we, we talked about modeling, uh, 
a developmental theory that uh, Mitra and I are both fans of. Uh, we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Um, comes from a Russian psychologist named Lev Vygotsky, and that's the idea that essentially cognitive growth happens socially through modeling behaviors from other people and then you internalize them and then you rehearse them yourselves and then you bring them out into the world but these games and especially a buddy system like that become an opportunity for caregivers teachers parents even peers to model the kind of behavior they want to see in others this Mm -hmm. games can become a vehicle for change uh, or growth in people's lives if you're demonstrating the kind of behavior that you know you want to see from people. Um, let's actually take a quick break for a disclaimer, and then we'll talk more about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll be right back and uh, talk more. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Okay, so uh, was there anything else that you wanted on that last point, or did you want to move to the next one? Um, No, I mean, I think that stands for for itself, that it's gaming becomes an opportunity for you to teach Mm-hmm. or demonstrate and model be you know behaviors you want to see it actually be, games become a, a really fantastic vehicle for transmission of culture as well mm. definitely both culture within the family as well as broader culture as well as you know offering support right because when you buddy up this way or when you help each player at the table or when you play particularly in a cooperative game But even in something that's a bit more player versus player, you know, you can help each other with their moves or you can say, hey, you know, I can I see you can do that. You know, it's okay. It's okay if you knock my my um, person out of the game or it's okay if you if you have the means to take over this space in uh, Carcassonne or whatever, because this is how we also teach people that um, competition can be healthy that this is acceptable, that you're not a bad person for competing, which I think is really important. You know, some people get this, but other people are much more hesitant because they're afraid that it will be taken personally and they won't be liked. And so we want to ensure that people know that that's fine. That's part of our culture as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, well, even those misunderstandings, because there's one of those, those truisms uh, or, you know, idioms that's, uh, axioms axioms that's that's said in mental health and tell me if you've heard this one mitra it comes out of uh gottman's gottman's work um that relationship growth doesn't come through the avoidance of conflict but through the resolution of absolutely conflict. and even these misunderstandings within a game uh allow for opportunities to uh, allow for opportunities to essentially learn these interpersonal and conflict resolution skills. And this is something that we I don't think we talk about enough. Like, um, And it's something that's desperately needed in a lot of game spaces. Just as a personal example, I, I, I volunteered to run a, a 90-minute session at uh, Gen Con virtually this year on conflict resolution at the gaming table. Mm-hmm. and filled up in under 12 hours. Like, people were clamoring to talk about how to do this, and this is not something that we, I think we overtly address enough. No. So in, in relationship, I guess, relationship theories, we call this, an, or attachment theory, we call this the process of rupture and repair. Um, and we all have ruptures with each other, some big, some little, 
sometimes they're just really minor things where, you know, I made an offhand remark and I didn't realize that you were actually a little hurt, right? Um, right. Um, and then you say, hey, you know, when you said that thing, right? And so you're pointing out the rupture. And now I have the, I have, now that I know I can own it and, and repair it. Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and um, I'll do better next time. Or, wow, you know, that wasn't intentional, but I appreciate it still hurt you. However we do it, we create greater trust. We create greater mm -hmm. safety. And then the yeah. other person's much more willing to either come to us or to address things, um, or they feel a little bit more confident in themselves to address issues with other people as well. Right. And so the rupture and repair process is what creates trust. In other words, if you never fight, you don't get to do much repair either. Right. And that's now, a we're not advocating we're, you go out and fight people. Um, we're certainly not. We are saying, though, if you're accommodating and, and approachable, then people are likely to mention the little missteps. And if you are willing to mention the little missteps yourself, then you can also create more safety in your relationships. And of course, this happens at the gaming table all the time. Sure. And so if we're not afraid, if we see that, oh, this is going to happen, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be ruptures. Maybe I step in and grab the card before the other person. And, you know, maybe they just feel a little like I was kind of aggressive about it. Yep. Or so, you touch somebody else's dice without their permission. Don't let me touch your dice. I will curse them. <laughs> I will therapize them. We we have to. I have talks with my dice all the time. I don't expect perfection out of them. No expect. No one expects them to roll a twenty every time. That's yeah. just ridiculous. My, I don't my... want to put that standard on my dice, and they shouldn't have to live up to that standard. We have this conversation. I just don't know how my youngest managed to do repair with his dice because in his last game, he rolled with advantage and he rolled two ones. I just got to say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's special. All right there that sounds like my tough. level of rolling. <laughs> um, <laughs> two ones. Um, so... Okay, so it is it is getting towards that part of the show where uh, we pass it over to chat. Is there any last things that you all want to bring up uh, on this topic? Um, Think about your purpose of why you're playing a game and what everybody else ever what what everybody else is looking for. Because um, depersonalizing things is important, and also if you're looking to fulfill a need. Pick a game that goes for that need. If you're looking for your family to build more cooperative skills, don't don't bring out Monopoly. Yeah. Don't or mm -mm. Sorry or Mario mm -mm. Party or mm -mm. something like that. Pick out something cooperative. Maybe you can build something together in Minecraft. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If they're older, you can. Um, there's a whole bunch of really good cooperative games, and they're labeled as such. Um, another thing that's really useful is if there is um, a games cafe where you live, and it's somewhere you're able to to reach and to go. It's a great place to go and check out a whole bunch of games. Um, you know, we don't. We're not always near something like Gen Con, and we can't always go, depending on what's happening with the pandemic for us. But um, but being able to borrow friends' games or try things out is really great because we know games can be costly, and we're not always sure what's going to work. Take advantage also of of the various Let's Plays or rules videos that are out there. Mm -hmm. Some of them are a lot of fun. Some of them focus on family games um, and games with kids, and these are really great to watch. Um, think about games that you can play that don't require reading. They can be fun for everyone and they're often easy. Like our family absolutely loved Sushi Go and played mm, a lot of it. That's a great game. Yeah. Um, and it's Come short, on. shorter games that can be played with a group. Perfect. Uh, so, so I, I actually do think that the reason my dice rolling sucks is because the first time I really rolled dice for a game, I, I knocked it out of the park. Somebody brought up Yahtzee. Literally the first time I ever rolled in the game of Yahtzee, I got a Yahtzee. And I didn't even know what I did. I just remember one of my moms looking at me and going, get out. 
Because <laughs> I don't even know what the game was. She's like, just roll the dice. And I didn't. It was all six. And she's like, get out. <laughs> she just looked at that demon. <laughs> demon. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, de I definitely do agree with that. Uh, I 100% vote go cooperatively before you go competitive. Um, yeah. It, it will just make everything better. <laughs> Although um, competitive does offer those opportunities for relationship repair. And oh, yeah. That's why I said. That's why I didn't say don't do it. Just maybe start with the... It's harder. The, it really yeah. is harder to navigate. Yeah. It is. And yeah, so 100%. be mindful of where people are at, as we said earlier. Um, someone in the chat mentioned um, a player rage quitting at the table. There may have been nothing you could do about that. We don't know. But think about generally, particularly if playing with kids or younger family members, think about their level of regulation. We've talked about regulation a lot. Think about mm -hmm. where they're at coming in. Are they kind of amped up? Are they relaxed? Um, how well are your players taking in or hearing rules, right? If they have ADHD and the rules are complicated, they may drift off. Been there. So think about what you're asking of your players, the energy level at that time, um, what you're all in a place to, to do. Um, and let that be the gauge of, of what you're playing. Um, you may have players who are better with physical games, um, like goat split, Ghost Blitz, for example. You may have players, and I hate Ghost, ghost Blitz, I can't, man. I just don't have the <laughs> reflexes. You may have, have players who are really great with word games. Um, I would like to point out my husband will not play Scrabble with me. Or he will, but he's like, this is just to showcase you and you know I'm going to lose. It's kind of how he enters into it, which is a lot less fun. So you want to think about the match between energy people games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I, I think we've hinted at, but we haven't overtly said that I'll just say quickly, is the idea of play with your kids. Okay. Absolutely. Even, um, especially when it comes to video games, you don't have to like the games that they're playing, but you, yes. if they're spending a lot of time doing something, you should probably understand what they're doing. And uh, to to quote my friend and colleague, Dr. Rachel Cowart, if you're willing to sit through a four hour T ball game, you can play half an hour of video games with them. Hundred yes. percent, and it gives you. Yes. It just it just is such a uniting. Thing. And also, um, when your kids first start playing online games, do it with them. Why not figure out what world it is they're entering, what's happening mm -hmm. in the games, what sorts of interactions they're having with other players, what's the culture in the game like, and is your kid in a place to handle that culture? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's so important. Yep. And you probably meet their else... friends if you took them to a birthday party. Meet their 100%. friends online. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go ahead and see what chat has been up to. Uh, uh, Monkey House uh, question: uh, How do you uh, how do you reconcile the generational differences between elders who associate gaming with competitive board games like Monopoly or Risk and younger members uh, who have a much more broad background? Logan's honestly, run. no one over thirty. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's me. <laughs> I know that's me too. <laughs> that's me as well. Like, good luck with that one. Um, no, like I, I honestly, like the the best way that I found is to just go. Yeah, it's not how it works anymore. It's just now, nah, like we we you you this is um, we're not we don't play against each other. Like we can play against the board. Like I I just get very much just like no, it's not how, it's not how we do it. We have fun now. I I think <laughs> I think one thing that you could say is listen. I don't have really great memories of that. Like I, I the piece that I enjoyed was actually playing with you, but I didn't enjoy the game, and, mm -hmm. and I, I'd like to introduce you to some of the games that we really love and we'd love you to take part in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think it's okay to be really honest about that and, and differentiate the experience of playing with the person versus the game that you were playing. Because it, again, it depersonalizes it and it doesn't make them feel bad about their choices and the games they had. And it can also be, hey, guess what? There's all these really, these new games available now, which are, which are just so much fun. And we've been mm -hmm. having a lot of fun with them. So it can be done yep. in a way that isn't like, no, you take your monopoly and pack off, you know. It can be much more about, let's bring you into this world that mm -hmm. we're sharing here. Well, and again, thinking about what other people enjoy as well. Um, um, an ex of mine um, and I figured out that w uh, 
<laughs> now, think, thankfully, this was a, an ex that I ended on very good terms with, and we're still on good terms. Um, we, we had a, a overt contract that when we played games at a table, uh, what was said during that game stayed at that game. <laughs> and we said, partially because we both appreciate wit, and in the horrible things we said to each other when we got competitive, there was some witty stuff in there that we were both laughing at. Like, that hurt, but I appreciate you so much right now. <laughs> and so thinking about how people enjoy games is an important thing. She enjoyed the games for the fact that they were with me. I enjoyed mm. the game for the fact that they were a game I could share with her. We we had this similar goals just in reverse. I liked the activity and I liked the activity of doing it with her. She liked being with me and we did an activity together. And right. we had to resolve that. So mm -hmm. again, that brings up this question that we brought up last week about agendas. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, um, I don't know. I've had, you know, my kids have had a, a caring grandparent who just loved engaging in whatever they were interested in, particularly when they were little. So I have a feeling that that can work. You know, you talk about uh, an elder who has games that they're used to playing, but, you know, grandparents, and this is kind of a tough issue because obviously we know not every grandparent is present. Not all of us have grandparents. And mm -hmm. some grandparents can be pretty difficult people. It's a bit of a, it can be quite a trigger. So mm -hmm. elders can include aunts, uncles, extended family, um, extended friend, friend groups, um, yeah. in-law groups, whoever it is in your life. Um, the important piece is that if they want to engage with us and they want to be part of our world and we can find ways to, to include them, if that's the agenda, inclusivity, caring, modeling things, sharing a world, um, then, you know, with that agenda in mind, we can come up with lots of different games and ideas to play together. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I do really like this one. The Real Bunny Beast asked question. Uh, if I'm playing Mario Kart with my partner and they are in the lead, and when I get the blue shell, should I use it? <laughs> I think that's a conversation to have with your partner. I, I, I think that varies on person to person. Um, I, I think I suspect Mitra might have a different reaction to this than me. Um, my my gut re my first thought is yeah yeah trounce them destroy them <laughs> win indeed. Okay, so this is where I think it's it really. Um, it's really important to have conversations about games and gameplay yep. yeah, with your very partner. Very much so. Have it overtly. And yeah, because it's like, if you're going to use it, are they going to take it personally? Yeah. And you really want to work on that. I think, I think it's important to not take it personally and to get to use it. Because if you were playing with someone else, you maybe you would, but this is your partner. If they're newer to games than you, if they didn't grow up playing games, if they're going to see it as you doing a mean thing, then that's the discussion to have. So yeah. you can then do the rupture and repair. Don't use the blue shell and then have to deal with the fallout. Talk about it. Talk about why you hesitated. Talk about what is it that you're picking up from them that's got you wondering whether you should use it or not, right? Mm -hmm. You're noticing mm -hmm. something, and that's important. Maybe, you know, we have an impulse and we're like, ooh, I don't know. Good one. Talk to them about it. Talk to them about games and how they feel about games and how they feel about losing. What was it like when they were a kid? Did they lose? Like, this is a, this is a great, did they have a dad who never let them win? Or a, mm -hmm. or a sibling who was uber competitive? Is that yep. what is that the energy that you're picking yep. up relationally? So these are great questions to ask and to discuss so that you understand what's happening for them. Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, Mitra also brings up a really good point that when we're learning things for the first time, there's this, uh, I'm going to totally steal your thunder on this, Mitra, there is a zone of proximal difficulty. Um, I'm going to paraphrase that a little bit because th there's true. If you... This is the reason I actually stopped playing Magic the Gathering uh, way back, <laughs> way back when, uh, I think around 1997, because I was a kid 
And the guys who were at that time my age now had so much disposable income and mm. they, you know, the power nine were still in circulation in those oh days. Oh my gosh. They, you know, I, I'm, I'm this kid who's like throwing what he can afford in terms of lunch money at booster packs. I'm like, look at me, I've got an icy manipulator. Yay. Yeah. And meanwhile, somebody's like chaos orb time yeah. twister, maybe, or, you know, it's, and it's not fun for me yeah. because I'm not getting the opportunity to learn at all before I'm just getting annihilated. Yep. And it was it was not balanced. It was not fun. I stopped going to those shops and I stopped playing Magic altogether because of it. It just became there were and so Mitra really brings up a good point here that think about what the needs of the other player are in terms of what they're hoping to get out of this game. Think about where they're at in their learning process. And if you throw too much at them too soon, they're not going to want to come back. Yeah. Do they even know that they can use the blue shell? right? So a person's experience and expertise with the game affects their gameplay and their sense of uh, success and how demoralized in terms of that zone of proximal development they feel or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I, I, the, the, I think the really big one there is like, do you want to keep playing games with this person? Well, uh, yeah. And, and, and like get, you use the blue shell when like if if say your partner or your family member does not play games normally this is their first time playing mario kart no i i would say don't do it yeah like it, once they get to the point that they understand what the blue shell is they understand like the drifting thing and whatnot like then yeah you're at the same level go ahead and use it but when they're learning they can't learn if you're just repeatedly right. bashing them with shells and knocking them out of the way and everything like that they're not gonna want to play i wouldn't I, 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 yeah no sometimes <laughs> oh please go i was gonna say sometimes there's an underlying desire to show off about our skills and yeah. our gameplay okay yeah. be clear about that then I'm going to yeah. show off here for a minute. But you don't yeah. play against them then. You do a little yeah. demo of what the game can do. Yeah, right. the, the, the computer warrior gets ahead and they're like, hey, watch this. Boom, blow them up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, was like, I will be honest. I, there are some friends in certain games I will not play with. Because I'm like, no, you're not fun to play with. I, Dr. B's laughing there. I haven't played Mario Party with him, so I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> no, like, I'm hilarious to be around. <laughs> I'm sure I want to see video, uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, there, there's fun. some games where I'm just like, no. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to start wrapping up because we have Bardic Inspiration immediately following this. So that is where we're going to have to put a stop on today's discussion. Thank you for everyone who uh, put a question in the chat. I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours. Uh, uh, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to do so? People can find me at Mitra Jordan and they can find me at MitraJordan.com. And uh, so I'm available but I'm not as available as this guy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm more around than available. <laughs> um, you can find me on most of the socials at the Dr. B. That's T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B as in boy. And uh, yeah, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, well, no, not on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, the Twitches and all of that. But more importantly, follow Take This Org on all of the socials. That's just Take This Org. Do it. And check out the new dire puppy Fenris familiar. He's so adorable. He's so adorable. So 100%. cute. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Class Podcast every Friday, as well as Champions Lore every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Uh, thank you to Jay and Mars for moderating in the chat today and doing a fantastic job. And thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you missed any part of this show, you can catch it later as a podcast. Uh, maybe later than 2 p.m. I'm working now. Take too, lunch. So. I do have to take lunch, so yeah, it will be out today eventually, hopefully. Uh, and if you have any suggestions for future topics, because we're coming up uh, towards the end of the season, this is actually a penultimate episode. I didn't get to say my favorite word. Penultimate episode of the season. Uh, if you have any topic suggestions, send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Uh, for those of us live, uh, hang out immediately after this for Bardic Inspiration. Uh, Jason Charles Miller and Dylan are going to be uh, doing another monster song. What is it going to be about? Ooh, I don't know. But it's going to be good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week.
Take care of yourself. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.